Hello, and welcome back to our Transformation by Truth podcast feature week. Seven days dedicated to sharing the foundation of our transformation process. My name is D.L. Anderson, and I'm the founder of Pinnacle Holiness Ministries and the chief officer of this podcast. Now, I'm excited for those of you who have been led by the Spirit to continue with us as we move on to day two. And I trust you are prepared to receive the good word we have to share with you today. Let's get started. Now, as I share with you on day one of this feature week, this podcast is an outreach vehicle of Pinnacle of Holiness Ministries, a select group of men and women the Father has entrusted to share the most transformational truth the world has ever known, a truth we discovered by following the legendary path known as the way of holiness. Isaiah 35, 8 reveals, and the highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. And this is the sum of our commission, to lead men and women along the way of holiness and into everlasting life. Now, without further ado, I want to commence our feature presentation, an intro to Pinnacle of Holiness Ministries and our Transmission by Truth podcast, day two. Now, the title of today's podcast is Who We Are, Our History. We will be discussing how we got started, my history, the hypocrisy of the church, my exodus from the church, the requirements of ministry, my qualification, and my commission. Now, let's begin with how we got started. A Pinnacle of Holiness Ministries was formally launched in June of 2021. After many years of dedicated prayer, fasting, and seeking the Father's will, I understood my season of preparation was finally over. It was time for me to get to the work of the ministry. Now, understanding the critical nature of ministry, I knew it would be impossible for me to maintain a full-time corporate position, raise a family, and succeed in the ministry I was called to lead. Luke 16, 13 reveals, no servant is able to serve two masters, for either he shall hate the one and love the other, or else he shall cling to the one and despise the other. You are not able to serve Elohim and Mammon. And for that reason, I asked the Father, with the dominion I had obtained, to miraculously provide me with the funding I needed to, A, build the ministry, B, provide for my family, and C, provide for his sheep. After which, I'll retire from corporate America and dedicate the rest of my life to this ministry. Now, I made this request for two reasons. One, it's impossible to serve two masters. And two, it's important for everyone to know this ministry is not the will of man. Rather, it is the will of Elohim. Now, Saul, who was Paul, one of the greatest disciples of Yahushua Messiah, he validated his ministry to the nation by opening his letter saying, Shaul, an emissary of Yahushua Messiah, by the will of Elohim. That's in 2 Corinthians 1.1, Ephesians 1.1, Colossians 1.1, and 2 Timothy 1.1. Now, 2 Peter 1.19 is revealing, and we have the prophetic word made more certain, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place 
until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture came to be of one's own interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but men of Elohim spoke, being moved by the set-apart spirit. Now, it was prophesied to me on numerous occasions that it was the Father's will for me to build a ministry. And I was specifically told that man would not have a hand in my ability to fund this ministry, for Elohim is all-powerful, and he does not need man to accomplish his will. Now, hindsight is 2020, but foresight is even more efficient. And because Elohim gave me the foresight to know his desire for this ministry, I experienced immense favor. And after proving myself, the Spirit simply said to me, ask what you will. And my dear friends, on every occasion, when the Spirit speaks, you shouldn't mess around. And I didn't. By the dominion granted me, I performed my first major miracle. I acquired the funding I needed to build a ministry and provide for my family, and man was not involved. Not one. Now, I'll be sharing the fine details of this major miracle with those of you who eventually join our organization. But for now, what you need to know is that Pinnacle of Holiness Ministries is a creation of Elohim. The rest is history, and much more is on the way. Now, let's move on to discuss my history. Now, although our organization is staunchly opposed to and firmly outside the conglomerate church, I was raised in the church, and I spent the vast majority of the first 30 years of my life in some form of institutionalized religion. And I became intensely active at the age of 18. Now, it didn't take long for me to experience the suffocating nature of institutionalism and the waning presence of the set-apart spirit, which I began to feel increasingly more in my personal worship and less in the predictable choreographed church services I attended. Now, eventually, it became clear to me that the conglomerate church as a whole was failing to manifest the Father's will. And what was worse is how leadership had no real issue with this crucial failure, which I eventually understood was for three primary reasons. One, leadership never fully understood the Father's will because they weren't well-versed in the scriptures. Two, leadership was more focused on maintaining the institution than ensuring the institution was guarding and developing the people. And three, leadership could not allow anyone to challenge or get ahead of them, for it would compromise their position in the institution. Now, at this point, I want to reiterate that I am not an outsider to the church circuit. Rather, I was a prominent insider who came from a family of ordained ministers. I preached my first sermon at 18, and I was as well-versed in our doctrine as anyone and significantly better than most. Now, this is important for you to understand as my listeners, because I would not be qualified to make these assertions if I was not an insider and an ordained minister who experienced the church in a way that most members don't. And here is a conclusion I made. As the only way to survive spiritually is to do the Father's will, 
institutionalized religion will always destroy the spiritual life of those who follow it, for it is designed to eliminate the direction and the authority of the spirit and consign these to unqualified men. Now, I not only witnessed the spiritual deaths of countless men and women, mostly young people, I experienced my own close encounter. I had reached critical mass with my frustration with the hypocrisy and the spiritual incompetence of leadership. I want to move on now to discuss the hypocrisy of the church. Now, of all the hypocrisy I witnessed, the greatest of these has to do with discipleship. That is, everyone claims to be a disciple, calling themselves Christians, but hardly anyone has an issue with the fact that 99% of all Christians don't look anything like the man they claim to follow. Here's a question. If Yahushua Messiah led his disciples in times past into his example, why aren't his current so-called disciples being led into and displaying the same example? Here's the answer. Yahushua Messiah is not leading them. They are not his disciples. They are disciples of the men and women who are leading their religious institutions and feeding them false doctrine. Now, it didn't take me too long to realize this after I received the set-apart spirit, because I began reading the Bible constantly, at least once every year since I was 18. And the more I read the word of truth, the more obvious the hypocrisy became. We were not disciples of Yahushua Messiah, the true Christ. The truth is, we weren't even close. Now, when I say the true Christ, I am speaking of Yahushua Messiah the only brought forth son of Elohim, and the man we see clearly in the gospel. Now, along these lines, Christ and Messiah are translations of the anointed, the only difference being in their origins. Christ is from the Greek Christos, and Messiah is from the Hebrew Mashiach. Now, on the other hand, there is no correlation between Jesus and Yahushua, even though our modern Bibles have replaced the name of Yahushua with Jesus. Now, for this cause, and many others which I will address in the future podcast, I will be utilizing the name Yahushua Messiah as the true Christ, the anointed of Elohim, and the Savior of our world. Now, seeing how far we were from the true model of discipleship, I asked the leaders of the churches I attended a simple question. What is your vision and your plan for eliminating the gap between our assemblies and those created by the leading disciples. Now, Proverbs 29, 18 is revealing where there is no vision, the people are let loose and they perish. But blessed is he who guards the Torah, the law of Elohim. Now, not once did I find a leader with a vision. And true to the word, the people did perish and were perishing. Now, after seeing this tragic scene play itself repeatedly, I realized the conglomerate church is not serious about discipleship. They are, however, serious about maintaining their fragmented, non-scriptural institutions because they largely benefit leadership. Now, here's the truth. Not every church is as depraved as some of the churches I have seen. Neither is every shepherd feeding off the flock. On the contrary, and true to the Laodicean spirit, 
The power in many churches has shifted from the pulpit to the pews as the people have rule and their so-called leaders are in check. Now, it doesn't matter who is in control or responsible for leading the church outside the Father's will. The church circuit is not a spiritually progressive entity, and all those who are stirred up by the Spirit to move their churches closer to the true model of discipleship will eventually be forced out. I know because this is what happened to me, and it happened to many of the men and women of Elohim who came before me. In every church I attended, I was like an antidote in a regressive body of men and women who, when it really came down to it, didn't want to get well. They were spiritually sick, and they didn't want to get well. Now, seeing I was at a crossroads, I asked the Father what I should do, and he gave me a vision that changed my life. In it, he revealed to me my future and the future of all the religious institutions of men, which have forced the spirit out, along with men and women like me. Now, at this time, I'd like to share with you the vision of the exodus from the church. They forced us out, but we found a home. Now, it began with me and my family, sitting near the front of the church like we were used to doing, because we were ministers, musicians, and officers. After that, I began to see various scenes. And in each scene, we were moving farther away from the front of the church until we were all seated in the back, as if we were on our way out. And before we could leave, we noticed men walking to the sanctuary from the vestibule, armed with all kinds of weapons and guns. Now, although we could see them, they didn't look at us. Their eyes were fixed on the front of the church. And as they moved closer to the front, it was clear that no one in the front or in the middle could see them. They were completely oblivious to the danger they were in. Now, eventually, we all stood up. And as we were beginning to leave, the armed men opened fire and began shooting everyone in the front and in the middle of the church. Seeing it, my family and everyone who was in the back ran into the vestibule and out of the church as fast as we could. Now, as I was running out, I saw a street a mile long to the west with churches on the left and on the right, tens of churches as far as the eye could see. And as I looked, I saw people running out of every church as fast as they could with the same look of terror and fear we had. And the Spirit revealed to me that the same thing that had happened in our church was happening in all these churches. Because the Spirit had been forced out by the institution, the churches were not protected against the forces of darkness to come to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, in the midst of the commotion, and hundreds of men and women and children running for their lives out of these churches, the Spirit directed my eyes towards the castle to the east, and it commanded me to begin heading that way after mobilizing the people who had come out of their churches. And it told me to be quick, and I obeyed. Now, as I was attempting to mobilize the ones who had escaped from their churches, I noticed some of them were intent on running the wrong way. And others came out of their churches but stayed close enough, often calling for someone who had remained to see if they were still alive, hoping they could escape as well. Now, whatever the reasons were, these individuals would not follow me to the edge of this long suite of churches and preparing to head east as the Spirit had commanded me. Now, alas, during that time, 
the Spirit commanded me to gather the people will listen and run for our lives. And as I was doing so, the same men who had gone into the churches and opened fire on all those who didn't make it out, they came out of the churches and opened fire on everyone who was not with us. For the path leading west was a dead end. And so everyone who was not with us was trapped. And seeing it, we began running for our lives as the Spirit commanded us. And as we were running, I looked behind and saw the armed men for the first time had turned their attention to us. And having destroyed everyone who was not running with us, they, for the first time, began to follow us. Now, there is much more to this vision, and I'll be sharing with those of you who join our organization. But for now, I want to decode the leading events in this vision. Now, my migration from the front of the church to the back is symbolic of the spirit calling me to come out of it. The armed men opening fire on those who remain is symbolic of the violence being done in the church and evidence it is no more secure than the secular world. Now, the escaped ones who went the wrong way are symbolic of those who have left the church and still not following truth. Regrettably, these individuals are going to meet the same fate as those who stayed, for only truth can free us from the weapons our enemies have formed against us. The conclusion, those of us who love truth have been and are being commanded to come out from the church circuit, for it will be judged for its sins against Elohim. And the truth is, it's being judged even now, and its final judgment is soon to come. Revelation 18, 4 through 5 reveals, And I heard another voice from the heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues, because her sins have piled up to reach the heaven, and Elohim has remembered her unrighteousness. Revelation 2, 7 is also revealing, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the assemblies. Moving on, I want to pivot to the topic, come out from among them, and I shall receive you. 2 Corinthians 6, 17-18 is revealing, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says Yahuwah, and do not touch what is unclean, and I shall receive you. And I shall be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says Yahuwah the Almighty. Now, here's a, a graph I wanted to share that just shows basically from 1940 to 2020, the membership in the churches has dropped from 73% to 47%. So true to the vision that I had, men and women are leaving the church circuit. Also, you'll see here that those who were born in 1945 or earlier, 74% of them attend services, but millennials only 57%. So you see a gradual decline of those who are older to those who are younger who are not attending services. Now, the primary reason faithful men and women have been commanded to lead the church circuit is because it does not have the power to defeat the works of darkness. Here lies the problem where the children of Elohim have been called to defeat these works. Matthew 16, 18 and 19 is saying, 
And I also say to you that you are Kepha, which is Peter. And on this rock, I shall build my assembly and the gates of Sheol shall not overcome it. And I shall give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be having been bound in the heavens. And whatever you loosen on earth shall be having been loosened in the heavens. Now, the number one reason why the conglomerate church is not fulfilling this promise is because it has been compromised by sin. And because of sin, the church is not able to defeat the works of the enemy. And in many ways, its people are no better off than those in the world. Now, one of the most underestimated aspects of sin is the factor of amalgamation, which, as it pertains to a spiritual body like the conglomerate church, passes sin and the consequences of sin onto the entire body. Witness a little leaven compromises the entire lump. Now, the physical body works in the exact same way. If any member of your physical body is impaired, the entire body is impacted. And those body parts closest to the impairment are usually impacted the most. Now, the spiritual model is even worse, for the wages of sin is death. Thus, if you remain in a spiritual body ruined by sin, you will be judged, even if you're not the one committing the sin. Now, this is one of the few accurate examples of guilt by association. Now, if you encounter sin, the spiritual requirement is to call out the sin and work to restore the one committing the sin. And every other occasion, you become an accomplice to the one committing sin. For not working to, to, toward making an end of sin, you are enabling and empowering the one who is sinning. Um, now, I want to discuss my union with truth, a match made in the kingdom of heaven. Now, over the next decade, the Father led me through the transformation required for me to achieve three primary goals. One, become a true disciple of Yahushua Messiah. Two, eliminate the spiritual deficits in my life. And three, replace these deficits with spiritual powers, the same power the church have forfeited because of their unwillingness to eliminate sin. Now, during this time, my understanding of truth skyrocketed. I received revelations and visions routinely, and I wrote several large theses and books. Later, I understood why. These truths are not in the church, and I would never have received them if I had remained. Isaiah 59, 12 is revealing, for our transgressions have increased before you and our sins witness against us. For our transgressions are with us and as for our iniquities, we know them. Transgressing and being untrue to Yahuwah and turning away from our Elohim, speaking oppression and apostasy, conceiving and pondering words of falsehood from the heart. And judgment is driven back and righteousness stands far off, for truth has fallen in the street, and equity is unable to enter. And the truth is lacking, and whoever turns away from evil makes himself a prey. And Jehovah saw it, and it pleased him that there was no right ruling. Now, the displeasure of Elohim concerning the expulsion of truth and those who follow it is being manifested by his intimate dealing with those of us 
who are leading the visible church and his disengagement from those who have not only rejected us, but have rejected him. Now, for this cause, I would have no one disheartened or made to fear constrain the prospects of walking away from the church. Trust me, I know from experience, if you stand for truth, Elohim will do whatever it takes to help you stand. And unlike those who are willing to sell the truth, he will take you in. Psalm 27.10 says, When my father and my mother have forsaken me, then Yahuwah does take me in. Let's move on to discuss the requirements of ministry. 1 Timothy 3, 1-2 is revealing, trustworthy is the word. If a man longs for the position of an overseer or a bishop, he desires a good work. An overseer then should be blameless, which is without sin, the husband of one wife, sober, sensible, orderly, kind to strangers, able to teach, not given to wine, no brawler, but gentle, not quarrelsome, no lover of silver, one who rules his own house well, having his children in subjection with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how shall he look after the assembly of Elohim? Now, my transformation not only involved establishing a spiritual order in my family, it also included obtaining the dominion to protect them from the forces of darkness which are constantly trying to destroy them and investing my time in their spiritual development. Now, the most devastating aspect of unqualified leadership, in my opinion, is the constant danger the flock is in because these shepherds do not have the power to protect them from their enemies, and they do not invest adequate time in the spiritual development of each member. Unlike these shepherds, I have full dominion and can protect my flock. And I have set aside ample time to invest in each member while keeping myself spiritually strong. And this only came to be as a result of the transformation and the truth I'll be sharing in this podcast. For this cause, I am spiritually qualified to minister, not because man has said, but because the Father has said. And I didn't launch this ministry until he confirmed my qualification, for I will never go down a path the Father has not authorized me to travel. It's spiritual suicide. I'll never do it. Now, the most critical factor as it pertains to Father's will is not always knowing what to do or how to do it, but it's knowing when to do it. For the moment we get ahead of his will by being impatient, or if we should fall behind by being indolent, we have effectively taken leave of his will altogether. Now, these things being what they are, I want to take a few minutes to discuss my qualification for ministry. First of all, I meet all the scriptural requirements of occupying the office of a spiritual overseer of men and women. And you can see 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 4 for those requirements. I have also reached an advanced level in the transformation process, and I have achieved all the spiritual milestones required for ministry. I possess full dominion. I have spiritual authority. I have unlocked all the powers of the spirit. 
I have an effectual prayer life. I have an effectual fasting life. I have a superior spiritual focus. And I have been spiritually and formally dedicated to Elohim. Moreover, I have also transformed my home into a spiritual battle station and a house of prayer warriors, subduing and eliminating every agent of darkness. I have also been spiritually licensed to write and speak on behalf of Elohim. I have the ability to prophesy by the set-apart spirit. Elohim has dispatched a messenger to speak to me and my family to convey and confirm his will for us. And I have experienced the process I have been commissioned to teach. Now that I share with you my qualification for ministry, I want to discuss my commission. My commission is to draw men and women Elohim has chosen to be transformed into the spiritual model of Yahushua Messiah through our ministry and to lead them through this transformation so they can manifest his will in their lives. My commission is to provide our members with the most powerful teaching and training and to guard them against every agent of darkness in our world. For these have been licensed to steal, kill, and destroy those who are not doing the Father's will. My commission is to tell our members the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. For all who have been called to this ministry have a love for the truth. What they don't have, they truth factory. And so I built one at the Father's command. Now, the conglomerate church is in bondage to spiritual forces which are destroying it at its foundation and at its core. For freedom comes by truth, the same truth they have rejected, whether in part or in full. And so it's not enough to tell men and women the truth in part. We must tell them the whole truth and nothing but the truth for anything added or taken away results in a lie. Now, as I have been commissioned to speak on behalf of Elohim, I will never add anything to the truth. Neither will I subtract from it. For to do so is an act of blasphemy. And this is the one sin which will never be forgiven. Now, the thing is, I have a specific message for a specific group of people. And I am not going to deviate from my message in some shallow and unlawful attempt to draw men and women the Father has not called. I'll say it again, I am not into numbers. I was specifically told not to focus on growth, for Elohim is not focused on the physical quantity of our members. He is focused on their spiritual quality. Thus, the increase we are interested in is in quality. For this reason, we have instituted a spiritual vetting process to ensure anyone who desires to join us is being led by the Spirit and has been chosen to be part of our commission. And although we're not focused on growth, we know there's a harvest, and we know the Father will bring them in, everyone he has chosen. All we have to do is speak the truth, and the Spirit will do the rest. Well, in summary, we discussed how they got started, my history, the hypocrisy of the church, 
my exodus from the church, the requirements of ministry, my qualification, and my commission. And we also discussed the call to come out from among them and my personal union with truth. So let's discuss what's next in this feature week. Now, we've completed day two, who we are, our history. Next is day three, which is part one of a deep dive into our beliefs. Here's a call to action. If the spirit is still leading you and you agree with what you heard in today's podcast, I invite you to take the next step and listen to day three of this feature week. And if you have any questions, feel free to contact us via our website at www.pinnacleofholiness.com and we will respond to you as soon as we can. Thank you.